Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Self Love Initiative podcast. Um, I thought I would do another episode with just me before I hopefully get another guest lined up. Um, and yeah, I just want to say a big thank you to everybody who has listened to, especially the episode with Jen. Um, I've had some really, really lovely feedback and it means the world to me and Jen, I know it does. Um, but also I've had some great feedback about my other episodes too. Um, so thank you for that. Um, it's I'm absolutely blown away. I logged on to the app that I make the podcast on the other day and it said, you've had a hundred listens. And I was like, oh my God. And that might not seem like much to some people, but I wasn't sure that I'd even get one or two listens. Um, and I'm currently on, if I look, 174 listens, which is exciting. I've even had people, I've had 1% of my listeners from Dominican Republic, Israel, and some from Egypt and Kenya. So it's reaching places that I could only ever dream of, um, which is so exciting. And I'm just so grateful for, because, you know, it's not, I didn't, don't know why I really started it more just to kind of have a voice um, and to talk to people about self-love and body confidence and diet culture and all those things that really I talk about an awful lot anyway. Um, what have I done this week? Um, oh, we have booked a holiday for our, mine and my husband Alan's 40th birthday is next August. We're only three days apart. And in February next year, we are going to New York as a family, the four of us. Um, and I'm so excited. New York is my favourite place in the world. Um, I attended a retreat in Utah Um three years ago now I'm coming up this year and met the best bunch of girls and um I still keep in touch with them all all the time um the nine of us that were together and um the amazing thing is I'm going to see some of them which it just means the world I actually cried when I found out um because those girls helped shape my life and um yeah I'm so thankful for that anyway um moving on let's um get into the podcast this week um so I've been trying to think about what I wanted to talk about and um there was a couple of things this week that spiked my attention that I thought I really want to sit down and talk about that I want to talk about my point of view I want to talk about things I've learned um and just really see if anyone relates um and the first one is about, we talked about comparison last week, didn't we? Um, and how we look at things online and we compare ourselves. Um, but I wanted to talk about apologising. And it's something that I've noticed so many people do. And the saddest thing I saw was a young girl, probably, it was I think it was on TikTok, and she was probably like, late teens early 20s very very young um and she came on screen and she was talking about a character from married at first sight which I don't watch but um I was watching this video and she came on and I, I my first thought was god she's stunning she, her skin was perfect like her hair was lovely and the first thing she said was oh I'm so sorry about the messy hair and the scruffy face but I had to come on and make this video. And I was like, 
what and and in my head the first thing I thought was you're not scruffy your hair is lovely you look beautiful like why are you saying that but then the second thing I thought was why do you need to apologize for that why do we need to apologize for everything in our life so how many times have you said yeah, I'm so sorry I look a right mess or I'm so sorry my house is a complete tip I'm terrible for that one I'm so sorry like I I went to a wedding at the weekend of my gorgeous friend Lucy um it was the most beautiful wedding in Scotland and I was the one driving me and my three other three uni friends up and um they got in the car and the first thing I said was I'm so sorry about the mess of this car and they were all like it doesn't matter like my car's the same but I just felt the need to apologize and it was I just noticed that we live in a a real culture where apologizing we're made to apologize and I think that's women more than men um I could be wrong again I think because I don't have a lot of male content online um I'm not interested in a lot of male content there's some men I follow that are great um and I love their content but you don't often I don't often get them see them apologizing but I will always see and I will do it myself a woman especially if they come on and do a video online come on and say, yeah, I'm so sorry about the state of us. I'm so sorry about the the way I look. Um, and it really just got me thinking about a statement that I really love, and that's about being unapologetically you. And I, I mean, I love that, and I believe in it wholeheartedly, but then I think it's, it's about putting that into practice, isn't it, and how you do that. So I think the first thing for me when I thought about it was was recognising it, you know, recognising do you have that behaviour? Now, I don't think she'll mind me saying she hasn't caught up on the podcast yet, so it'll take her ages to get to this episode. But my mother-in-law is terrible at apologising for everything. She just constantly says sorry. Like, it's, and she's an amazing woman. Like, I've got the best mother-in-law in the world. None of the mother-in-law jokes apply to me. Um, I have the best one um shout out to you janet um but she will apologize for everything so like if she comes and stays with us because she doesn't live near me if she comes and stays with us and i don't know say my eldest is late for school or running late for school she'll go sorry i should have got him up and i'm like no you shouldn't he just he should have got himself up, which is what, or, or if anyone's responsible, it's me, I'm his mom. But like, yeah, she's just always apologising. I always tell her off for it. I'm always like, stop apologising. But it makes me wonder like how far back our expectations of being responsible for everything go. You know, like my husband very rarely would apologise for something. Like he would never, if we went somewhere, he would never say, oh, I'm sorry that I'm look really tired. Or, I'm sorry that uh I don't know just it just wouldn't um so I wonder if you do that do you apologize do you find yourself apologizing for the way you look for the way your house is and the thing about the house thing right so I used to clean houses that was my job for a couple of years before COVID and I absolutely loved it it helped us get through uni um it was really good for my mental health to just really zone out while I was doing it I bloody loved it and um yeah, when I was doing that, I never, ever walked into someone's house and thought, oh, my God, look, the state of their house. And, like, it was probably varying stages. And if you hear anything now, I'm just going to take my hoodie off because I'm absolutely violent. Um, believe it or not, it's absolutely pouring outside. Um, 
so yeah nobody's house was ever like ridiculously messy and even if it was I would never I would never comment on that because I think we all have different things going on in our lives different um different times that we've got to do stuff different responsibilities and we just don't have time for it like what was really interesting was I used to make people's houses spotless and I would clean the tiniest little nooks and crannies because I wanted the tidiest house possible but if you came to my house it was a mess because I couldn't be bothered I cleaned 10 houses a week like the last thing I wanted to do was come home and do my own um and I think as well it's not just about cleaning is it like when you start on your house you have to like tidy as well it's not just about running a cloth over a bench it's like oh where's all this crap gotta go so I think you've got to give yourself a break and the same goes for how you look like to me I enjoy nothing more than getting ready in a morning uh, on a night sorry if I'm going for a night out getting ready and like put my makeup on do my hair sometimes I can't be bothered but I, I like doing it and then putting some nice clothes on and going out and, and looking at myself and thinking god I feel really lovely um but I couldn't be bothered to do that every day like my hair is generally quite messy I actually switched this zoom on because I record this on a a zoom so I can see myself and my hair's just not been doing well with this weather like it, I, I don't leave it enough time after drying it before I start tucking it behind my ears and it gets all kinky and oh not like that and it gets a kink in it and it gets um like frizzy and stuff but I just don't care anymore because I just think if someone looks at me and judges me because of my hair or because of the fact I don't have makeup on then what does that say about them like what does it say about them as a person if they look and think, God, she looks a mess? Like, great, but you don't know what's going on in my life. And you also, why does it matter? You know, me not looking, I don't want to say my best because I don't agree that there's a better than, than not, but me not looking all made up is not changing who I am as a person. It's not stopping me from functioning or being a part of a, a you know, an intelligent conversation or having a valid opinion on something. It's doing none of those things. So why should I be made to feel guilty when I choose not to do that? Now, that's saying that someone's making you feel guilty, but nine times out of 10, it's just yourself. Because how many times do you look at other people? So imagine this, you walk into an office and there's a girl sat at a desk and she goes, oh God, I'm so sorry, I look such a mess today. Would you look at her and go, yeah, you do actually? Or would you look at her and go, oh my God, no, you don't, don't be silly. Because that's likely is the answer. And then what you would do is you would look at yourself and go, oh no, don't be daft, I look ridiculous today. Like I look so messy or I've not showered or I've not washed my hair or whatever. Um, yeah, it's it's bizarre, isn't it? Like the way, the, the level that we hold ourselves at, the standard that we put on ourselves rather than others is, is crazy. And one thing that I, and this kind of it moves away a little bit, but it's similar sort of thing. One thing I always say to clients and, and people that I've worked with around self-love is I always say to them, you know, like would you say that to somebody else and it's such a simple thing and it's a simple task that I think is one of the biggest things I've learned during this self-love sort of journey for me for want of a better word I know um I don't know if you listen to the Go Love Yourself pod by Laura Adlington and Lauren Smith um but when they say um 
journey they always got I hate that um but yeah this self-love journey that I've been on um whenever oh I've totally lost my train of thought what was I talking about then the self-love journey that I've been on that it is about looking at the the standard that I set myself and whenever right yeah I've got it and then whenever I'm saying things to myself I do think like would I say that to my little sister so I've got a sister 21 years younger than me and so she's coming up 18 next year that's mental um but like she has always been I absolutely idolize her and I've got to think to myself would I say that to her would I go to her and say oh god you look so tired you look a mess or like do better lose weight look right you know I sometimes take the neck out of my clothes because they've got holes in them um but that's just old lady me (laughs) and I think she'd laugh at that um she does laugh at that because she's like shut up Claire you're just too old Um, I'm like but just as a side note here I just don't get holy jeans, right? I get a little bit of ripped in the knee, okay? That looks a bit rustic and, yeah, cool. But, like, some of the stuff that kids wear, and adults, but mainly kids, is, like, mass. You've got less material. Like, there's just no material. You're paying more money to have less material. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. And I'd be bloody freezing. My knees would be icy cold. Um, So I don't get that. But she finds that quite funny. But I never take the makeup of her. And I would always, I want her. And she is grown up to be such a beautiful young lady, like a feminist, which I love. Um, and yeah, just everything I could have wished for it to turn out to be, she is. And um, yeah, I, I was never blessed with a daughter, but I've got her and I've got my baby cousin. And both of them, I would never speak to the way that I speak to myself. And I think that's a big indicator of like why why do I think that's okay to talk to me like that but not anybody else like why I'm asking someone answer this is the hard part of a podcast as I have got no one to bounce that off but I think I think that the truth of that is it's just the way we've been conditioned to do better and be better and yeah people expect that of us that you should always be working to be the and I'm saying this in inverted commas the best version of yourself but what that means can be very different to what people think it means you know so people might think the best version of themselves is to be I don't know like to be thin and and like exercising all the time or whatever but the best version of yourself to me is to be mentally well because for me mental health is just as if not more important than your physical health because often with physical health there's treatments there's things that can be done that are non-discriminatory in the sense that if you had an issue with your physical health there is some that don't apply to this but you would generally go to see a medical professional they would um take you in they would see what the problem was do some tests and then they would have some sort of treatment plan now you know there are some medical conditions that are extremely extremely life debilitating that's the right word um and they can cause a lot of issues like you know um we we have a lot of like things that 
at the minute there's just not enough research for and people are still struggling with however we're trying our best the doctors would generally try their best to do that and people wouldn't judge you for having that medical condition generally again this very general but with mental health we are still not at the place where our mental health is able to be talked about like especially within men as well you know I, I find a lot of male clients come in who have issues with their mental health and the the overriding message of all the men I've probably dealt with is that they've never really been an emotional person not all the time but most of the time it's that they've never really dealt with their emotions and and then they're struggling to deal with them now that they're there and I think this goes this plays into this idea of what is healthy you know for me you have to have a solid base of good mental health to be able to to kind of move forward and say you know right okay this is where I'm at and to get good mental health that involves like Jen was saying on the podcast last time you know having good sleep have eating foods that are nutritious that provide you energy um that don't make you feel sluggish things like that like it does involve an element of that but that's not about dieting and aiming to lose weight because that doesn't make you healthy so yeah I'm kind of going to tie that in with the next thing I want to talk about but I kind of just wanted to round that bit off about being unapologetically you but it is going to tie in with the next stage as well with the next part I want to talk about as well but the basic message for that first part is really to just be aware of those times when you are apologizing for yourself in any way unless you've done something wrong and I mean wrong like you've tripped someone or you've cut in front of them in a queue or you've driven the way you shouldn't and you've like nearly hit them or whatever and you can put your hand up and say I'm, I'm sorry like that's fine but are you apologizing for just existing in your body however you choose to because if you are there's nothing wrong with that um just to point that out um the and and once you recognize that try and change that narrative try and think okay so I've just apologized for myself did I need to do that I'm not going to do that again and and the more we practice that the easier it will become um the second thing um I want to talk about is something that was really it's something that's really important to me but has been quite an emotional thing for me as well and I I wasn't sure I was going to mention it but last week was a bit of a a turner for me and I thought you know I'm gonna I'm just gonna talk about it because I won't be alone and that's about advocating for yourself um health-wise in a bigger body so I realize I have people listening that aren't in a bigger body that um are what we would call straight-sized and don't get discriminated against because of their weight However, you might find there's other stuff you discriminated for, um, whatever that may be. Um, so you can apply this stuff to you. Or do you know what? If you are in a smaller body, what I would really suggest is to listen to this bit and take it in. Because um, I was talking to my best friend a while ago, and I'll tell you the story in a minute. And she hadn't really kind of realized like how hard I found it when I go to the doctors and things and it really helped her to know my point of view and I think it's really important that we have straight-sized people on board with this because then that helps the cause it's always the way you know we talk about um having 
privilege and I don't mean that as in you're so privileged I mean no one checking our privilege and knowing it and I will talk about that on another episode um but this is where if you're straight size you can really be an ally to people um in a bigger body that are, are struggling with this um so please listen um and and kind of take it as like information rather than help so um when I say in a bigger body, this is anybody that would be classed as overweight on the BMI scale, which we know, hashtag bullshit buzzer, sorry for swearing, but this is the bullshit buzzer. Um, we know that the BMI scale is a load of crap. So we're not going to comment on it as if it's got any clout. However, in the medical world, it absolutely does, in the sense that they use it to discriminate against bloody everybody. Sometimes, though, and very often, it doesn't even have to be the BMI scale. They just look at you <laughs> and they might not even know you're weird and they would still just look and be like, yeah, you need to lose weight. Um, and what I think is a really bad misconception is I think most people who see a fat person thinks that they're on a diet, thinks that they will want to lose weight. Like the amount of times I've had little comments about diets and when I say uh, I don't follow a diet, I left diet culture um, three years ago and um, yeah, diets don't work and I'm not going to follow it. I get a lot of people being like, oh. Okay, and it's like, oh, this person seems happy and they're not trying to change their body. It's an interesting concept. Um, but the health thing is particularly scary. Um, so a couple of things factually for you to read and check out. Um, there was a um, report done. Um, oh, God, was it last year? I think it must have been 2020, 2020 either this year or last year, there was a commissioned report done by the government and it was talking about weight stigma. Now, I actually wrote my dissertation um, around fat clients and fat counsellors and um, I, I quoted it in there so I can find the information, um, just not right to hand. And it's a government report, like I say, and they talk about um, how basically how fat phobia is actually killing more people than being fat is so and about how judging someone on their size can cause more health issues than the actual size of person um i think that was the that's a very very short way of putting it but it was a big report it was fantastic and it was basically saying that bmi was rubbish and stupid thing to measure on um again my words not this um also follow Dr. Joshua Woolrich because I've mentioned him before, but he absolutely advocates for um, like the lack of um, like not using BMI and stuff like that. Um, I There's a lot of other accounts that I've mentioned before that you could follow on that talk about it every now and again. Um, but it's a really, really interesting subject. So some of the scary stats that I read, one of them in particular um, really shocked me. And this was that the idea of weight cycling. So that's where you lose weight, you gain weight, you lose weight, you gain weight. And anybody who's been on a diet for more than a year or two will probably have had that happen. You know, where you've gone somewhere over the years, you've lost weight, you've gained weight, you've lost weight, you've gained weight. And you're probably heavier now than you've been 
ever. And that is not because you failed. Um, it is because we all have a set point weight. Um, this is the science behind it. So we have a set point where our bodies have set point weights. Now that could be within a couple of stone, but it's a place where your body is comfortable to be at. That's made up of so many different factors. So socioeconomic factors um, genetics, um, how your body digests food, like loads of stuff. I, I, I'm not a scientist and I'm not going to pretend to be. So everybody has this set point weight. And what happens is when we start to go into diet mode, so anytime somebody starts to actively intentionally lose weight, our body goes into something called starvation mode and it thinks it's being starved. And a lot of the time, a lot of diets don't give enough calories to allow the organs to do their jobs. So therefore, when we start eating food, our bodies are like, whoa, hang on. I don't know when she's going to do this to me again. So it starts to put weight or like store fat to try and stop that from happening again because it doesn't like being in starvation mode. Um, a really great thing to read about, and it's in all of the books that I've mentioned, is the Minnesota Starvation Experiment. Absolutely terrifying. Not going to talk about it on here. It's too long, but read it. Um, so what then happens is our body then puts on more weight and we think why can't I lose weight and it's just that's how life works and it's how your body works and it's nothing to do with you at all um and this is where the guilt and shame comes in why can't I do it and they can do it and run it and um you go on this weight cycle and you put your weight on then you diet again and you lose weight and it's it's never ending so when you've done weight cycling, there are studies to show that that is actually more dangerous to your health than actually being what a doctor would class as overweight. And if you were just overweight, stayed at that weight, plateaued and stayed that weight forever, you are less at risk of a health issue than someone who loses and gains and loses and gains. And I find that fascinating. I really do. So let's talk about um discrimination so you might have heard of the health at any size or sorry health at every size movement um now this is always misconstrued often we get people saying um it's just promoting obesity that um you can't be like super fat and and be healthy and lots of different things what the health at every size movement is about is access it's is allowing everybody to access healthcare equally and respectfully despite the size effectively is what they're doing they think that no matter what size you are no matter what lifestyle you choose you should be able to access healthcare without discrimination and I think that's pretty fair don't you um you know we wouldn't say to a small girl like I'm sorry but we're not going to give you any chemo treatment if you get lung cancer we're just not going to do that we're not going to say to somebody who drinks too much like oh sorry we're not going to give you any treatment whatsoever yet when somebody is fat and they go into the doctors about anything the first thing they're told is to lose weight and there is no sign that that would be caused by that one of the biggest ones diabetes how many people do you hear that say, I just don't want you to get diabetes or I don't want you to have a heart attack? There is no evidence to show that being fat is, causes that. It might, 
and it can be a factor but the there's not evidence there to show that that is that is definitely going to cause it is what I mean and I think that's a really dangerous narrative to have because what it does is it puts people off going and I'm one of those people so over a year ago I started getting pain in my knee now during lockdown I would do club size classes and um, once or twice a week I'd walk a lot like I was generally I wasn't really fit but I, I was getting stronger and I felt really good when my grandma took about it I stopped going and not long after that my knee it just started getting pain and took me three or four months to go to the doctors and the reason for that was because I just knew that when I went the doctor would say to me yeah you need to lose weight and being out of diet culture that was not something I could do and so I put it off put it off I went in January and luckily it was a lovely doctor who didn't say that um but along the way and I've only just started physio for it two weeks last week last week so we're talking well over a year since it started and um the every doctor that I've spoke to about it have all said that you know they can't say that like because I've said you know I know people say that it's your weight and they were like not necessarily like it's a ligament or they think it's either a ligament or cartilage damage um one doctor did tell me it was wear and tear and I was going to be in pain for the rest of my life so I cried a lot um the physio has since taught me that that was an absolute load of rubbish and um that's not the case and I can strengthen my knee again I just need to work on it so and I have the best personal trainer I know she listens um Abby um do you know what Abby is 20 years old so we are worlds apart I could be a mom that's how much of a difference it is but Abby has been my biggest support when it comes to exercise right she used to do the club size classes that I went to she still does but not I don't go anymore and um she comes and does personal training with me once a week and she's so patient with us. she knows exactly what to like do to make me feel strong to work on my goals she never once mentions my weight or you know what I need to do to lose weight for her this is all about being strong and I love her for that because like it makes an absolute world of difference so Abby's been working with me to get my knees stronger and to feel generally stronger um but the journey of this with my knee has been really really upsetting because I have felt judged because of my size the whole way partly my own excuse me partly my own judgment um but also the fear of judgment of other people um like the doctors and the physios and things and that comes from years of people mentioning my weight and I've got to a point now where I refuse to be weighed at the doctors and I said absolutely have to be so when I went to see about my knee he said what do you weigh and I said I don't know and he was like cop on the skills and I said no thank you I said I don't want to get weighed um unless I absolutely have to and I explained that you know I've been in diet culture and I um I've been left with disordered eating and getting on the scales is really triggering for me and it's a doctor I don't like but we'll say less about that anyway and he was like oh well it's not about that it's just about um it was something to do with the x-ray which seemed not legit but anyway so I didn't get weighed and then I went for my pill last week and I didn't get weighed then I said no thank you and they said fine I'm on a pill that isn't affected by it's not got risk factors so they don't need to check that um but 
what is frustrating is if that I stay at this size and I exercise two or three times a week and you know all of those things like I would still be classed as unable to have IVF for example if I needed to or I might be refused for an operation or stuff like that and that's really sad because the, especially the things about the, the hip operations and the knee operations because I think you know they say to people you need to lose weight before you get it and I'm like but you can't because you can't move because you're in pain like it's ridiculous and if somebody did every single test on me and couldn't find the cause of something and the only thing we hadn't thought about was losing weight I'd get it I'd understand entirely but I'm entitled to tests and things like that as much as everybody else is and a thin person would not just be told like to lose a few pounds to see if that helped so it and and also if it was a fat person disease then no thin people would have it so that's the same with diabetes thin people wouldn't be having heart attacks thin people wouldn't be having joint pain like it's not exclusive to fat people so we need to get this idea out of our head that being fat equals being unhealthy because it doesn't there's plenty of thin unhealthy people and plenty of fat healthy people and you can do whatever you want with your body like you can train it to do whatever you want so if you want to run a marathon and you're 20 stone you bloody well train for it and you will and you can do that and yeah it might be a little bit harder than somebody who's 10 stone carrying that extra weight around but it's not to say you can't do it and you might actually just prove yourself like how strong you actually are so I wanted to mention that because really and it's a really short way of mentioning it I could go on about it for hours but I wanted you to know that a you can refuse to be weighed at the doctors and it is a simple case of saying I'd rather not be weighed um can you tell me what you'd like to weigh me for because then I can make a decision and if it's if it's about dosage of a medication fair enough just ask to close your eyes turn around whatever don't tell you weight if um it's not however and it's just for their records they don't need to know what you weigh end of um so you can refuse that it is also okay for you to advocate for yourself and say well actually um i would like to be put forward for these tests and i would like to be seen um because your weight does not define you as we well know um so yeah so that is my little rant on the situation and you know, all I would say for people that are listening that are in straight size bodies thinking, well, how can I help with that? Just be there for a friend, like go to the doctors with them, reassure them that, you know, their weight is not in their worth and that they don't have to share that with anybody because I think that's a really important part. So, yeah, I feel like I've rabbited on quite a bit today. So I'm going to go. I'm unfortunately going to the dentist, which is one of my biggest fears hate the dentist absolutely hate it with a passion but I have found a lovely one um and I'm gonna go but I just find it mad that I pay somebody to provide me with such pain just doesn't seem right does it um but anyway I will see you all soon um no I won't but I'll hear you all (laughs) speak to you all soon um and hopefully we'll have another couple of guests lined up over the next few weeks um but if there's anything you want me to talk about anything you um want me to cover then let me know um but if not thank you very much bye for now and i will see you next week i can't stop saying that anyway bye